0: You stand before the cult leader. You have cut your way through all of his minions. And yet he smiles, confident in his ability to destroy your party. Do you not know who I serve, he says. I will tell you of my evil plans and how my lord will conquer the realms of men. I will tell you all of the dark secrets that I have to show
1: thee." I throw two daggers at him. Dude, are you serious right now? Yeah, I threw two daggers at him.
0: It took me like an hour to make this speech. Yeah, but I threw it. I I wasn't even like a quarter of the way done. Fine, roll initiative.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that ever happened to you guys before? Oh, yeah.
2: Solid monologuing, though. Thank you. Thank Sly you. Dog. I spent an hour
0: making that speech. my dog. And then Mike threw a Call dagger in his face and ended
3: it. Wait a minute. You spent an hour. Could we hear the rest of the speech, John? I, no, I want to no, hear the whole no, no, hour. No, you guys no. ruined
4: it, and you don't get to enjoy it now.
0: No, so, so Mike was the catapult of chaos hey, that the episode. interrupted what I was trying to do as the Dungeon Master. Uh,
1: what, was, that, was that the cinematic moment? That was what
0: should have been a cinematic moment, but I didn't say cinematic moment, so you thought, I'll just chunk a dagger in the dude's
4: face. <laughs> what
1: is a cinematic moment? Well, first of all, hey, welcome to Legend Lord. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, Legend Lord is brought to you by SNW Productions, Strange New World Productions.
0: Yeah, and we're happy to be, be here with you guys. Uh, I'm Dungeon Master Rockfist, also known as John, and sitting to my right is...
4: Dungeon Master Osborne.
0: Cody.
3: Dungeon Master Popadine, or Matthew.
1: And I am Dungeon Master
0: Mike. All right. Well, we're here to talk about something that is near and dear to our hearts. It's a homebrew rule that uh, we play in all of our campaigns. Um, we play it not just as a Dungeon Master, but players use it too. Uh, but it's a little rule um, that I'm proud to say I, I came up with, or at least I coined the phrase, so I'm trademarking this. Matt Mercer, you call me if you want to use this. We can talk, okay? <laughs> I, I call it the cinematic moment. Get your chip cook ready, though. <laughs> or at least let me play with you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, So, I, you know, the cinematic moment is this rule, homebrew rule that we have where as a dungeon master, I would say in that scenario, um, all right, cinematic moment. And then I would start giving the speech. And all it really means at its core is that we are in a narrative moment. And if you think about like anybody that's ever played a video game, you might call it in a video game a cut scene. Right. It's a moment in the game where you just have to pay attention to the story. And then, you know, after this, that part's over, that little clip is over. Now you have control of your character again and things kick back up. Um, But I, but I created this rule for the exact reason of what you guys just heard at the beginning. You know, as a dungeon master, have you ever just been like, come on, man, let me give you my villainous speech. Like, let me move the plot forward with some information or something and then you have that one player, we usually call him the catapult of chaos who just goes, nah, man,
3: I don't want to hear all this. I'm just going to attack him he's in the middle of the speech. Was there one moment in particular, John, where a player was kind of doing something that you didn't want them? Well, not that you didn't want them to, but you had that moment of you were building up. And then that player just said, Oh, I threw two daggers at him. It's,
0: it's, a, it's exactly what happened. And when I used to play a lot in high school, you know, of course you're playing with high school guys sure. and uh, mostly they wanted to fight and uh, kill things. And, Um, you know, they, they didn't really want to give you as a dungeon master, the ability to even like say anything like as a villain or whatever. So when we started playing curse of Strahd, you guys know, I am a big Strahd fan. So, uh, if you guys listening have a problem with that, sorry, you're wrong. I'm right. Strahd is cool. And I think Strahd is just the best at just giving those villainous monologue type speeches. And I said, that is not getting interrupted in this campaign. <laughs> and that's where it really kind of came to be.
2: I, I remember after we finished death house and we were put into Barovia or like the, 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 the pregame speech kind of thing that you gave us was like, listen guys, here's the homebrew rules. It's called a cinematic moment. Whenever I say it, you guys can't do anything. You got to listen because you are not ruining my cool dialogue that I spent hours working on. <laughs> yeah.
4: And yeah. that's exactly what it's for. It's <laughs> to protect most of the time, the DMS, prepared experience, but also for players to be able to interject with something badass.
2: I I think it's really good because let's say you've got players on the table that are really enjoying the story. They love the dramatic monologue. And then you've got, you know, whoever Jimbo who likes to just fight. Yeah. You've got Jimbo playing Boblin, the goblin who just wants to be a monkey wrench in the story and, and kind of ruin the cool drama that the the table is building. Yeah, so,
1: and absolutely, you know, and the, one of the things that w- what I like about this is that it began as that cinematic moment, uh, just for the villains, basically, right? Mm-hmm. To get a little dialogue in, to give a moment to maybe even describe the things in detail, what's what's going on around you as players. But we have evolved it now that our players are taking cinematic moments, All which is time. awesome because it just completely helps them live their story and feel cool. Yeah. And the other thing where I I really like about it too, is it sets up a whole new level to combat often. Like when you have that cinematic moment and our cinematic moments have also evolved, not just for, for the monologuing of the villain is that when we're in that cinematic moment, we know that the bad guys might be talking, the players may be responding. And oftentimes it sets up a very intense situation. Absolutely.
4: Uh, We've really described it as maybe a monologue so far, but it can be a dialogue. It could be a player calling out, or sorry, the DM as the big bad evil guy calling out a player character and saying, you have foiled my plans. And and that speech gives a break for that player character to respond. And that adds like an intimacy to the relationship and really fleshes out and creates cinema, cinematic moments. It does. Uh Yeah, it makes the
0: adventure feel like a movie. In a lot of ways, which I think most people enjoy, there's probably a care a type of player who doesn't like it as much, and that would be this guy we call the the catapult of chaos,
1: right? Well, not necessarily. So, uh, so there's two kind of catapults of chaos in my book. Okay, right. So uh, can you ri- define a catapult of chaos? Sure, sure. Something? Originally, that's what I was about to. Do. Uh, originally, uh, and I cannot say. Completely for sure who coined this term in our old second edition campaign that ran for a long time, kind of like the Boost campaign when I talk about the champions of Ceylon, basically, right? Um, but our good dear friend Blaine, who was taken from us way too early in life, um, he was great at moments of absolutely just doing what I did not expect. And he, after several of these, these moments, we began to refer to him as Catapult of Chaos. And and, and I've experienced it over the years with different players. The, the I Throw Two Daggers was 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 my good friend, Brett, Dude, you've played with, Matt. Now Brett, he did that once, literally while my wizard was monologuing. And this was second edition. And they weren't even that high a level. I think he rolled a nat 20 and really <laughs> high on his damage and killed the wizard. Oh, man. The, the big bad, like that. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, so, so, so there is that. So there is the catapult of chaos. Who is the guy that just wants to roll dice and kill things? He Usually, he's got his character maxed out to the ma- to to do damage, and he is going to really not care about dialogue between characters, let alone dialogue between an NPC character and, and characters, and will usually rush into combat. That is definitely one type of catapult of chaos. And the other type of catapult of chaos is that just that player that is always doing something a little unexpected, like our good friend David. Right, yeah. Your David's very outside the box when his playing, and all probably because he's newer to the game, which is awesome because we we've been playing for a long time, and sometimes we get we get in habits. And David's great about being the catapult of cast that he does stuff that I'm just not as a DM. I'm not even seeing. Well, even kind. as a
0: fellow player at the table with him, like half the time you're like, D- like, what is your character doing, man? Like, and then all of a sudden he'll do something. like, you know, he. <laughs> I, I remember one time in um, Champions of Boost, um, you know, he was. Basically trying to position himself. What well, we found out what he was doing. We're, here we are fighting these bad guys along these, like, lava pits. And uh, we're like, he wasn't helping us fight. And we're like, that's not like him. That's not like a, his
4: character. He was a battle master and, fighter at level 15. He's like, why don't you just attack and do an absurd amount of damage? Why do you keep, like, kiting and positioning? So
0: so he kept kind of corralling these enemies into a certain position. And then he just starts picking them up and yeeting them into the lava. And it took like three rounds for him to set it up and do it, but it, to Mike's point, it was chaotic, it was crazy, but it was freaking cool. Oh, it was a neat way to deal with that. And
1: he literally probably took like four or five guys out of the combat doing that. Yeah. Creative solutions.
0: So, so a catapult of chaos, you would say then, can be somebody who is also just... Doing things that nobody expects. Exactly, exactly. So it's not
1: necessarily a negative. Yeah, it's not necessarily a negative. I mean, there, there are definitely times where I've played with it as a negative. Uh, you know, especially when you're talking about, like, you're you're in a role-playing situation. Maybe you're trying to come to an accord with an NPC, <laughs> and then somebody runs out of nowhere and hacks at him with a sword, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, all that stuff I was just doing, those persuasion checks I just made, deception, whatever I'm making, they're all out the door because we're fighting now because this guy just got attacked.
3: Oh, so I was just gonna spin off what Mike—he already kind of covered it. But what I was I had a—I had a moment where I was playing a Star Wars game before. Well, I was playing the same Star Wars game with you guys. I was cheating on you. I'm, I'm wow. sorry. Wow. Um, yeah, I know, but I don't play that game anymore because I have too much stuff. Too much. Not enough time on my hands. You it's remember too who much your time. true loves were? And were I continued your campaign, to but in, they always come back. Yeah. <laughs> in maps. that campaign, uh, I had the more the the negative effect of. You know, you had basically with David had the the positive effect going around, eating the people into lava. I had the negative effect where instead of, you know, attacking the NPC and ruining everything they did, he just started going to the streets of Coruscant and being like, I want to go into this building over here. And we were in combat. So he's like, I want to what's in there. And so as DM, I'm like, "Okay, I got to improv this. And all right. It's a meat shop. There's a whole bunch of meat in there. And he's like, I want to. Grab some meat and then run away. And I want to go cook it at the diner over there. And I just, that, oh, wow. That whole thing. Yeah. Like he was just doing this over, like all that. And it, his whole goal was to cook this meat in the middle of an encounter. Wow. Wow. So
4: stay tuned for Dungeon Master Osborne and Dungeon Master Mike doing a how to be a better player because that's exactly what not to do to have a fun time. I mean, you might be, that player probably was having fun. Four other people around the table were like, Really, man, yeah. we're really going to you're going to make us waste half hour on this. Mm-hmm.
3: It definitely depends on who your group is, because, I mean, we we all around the table, we knew him and he had never played d before. Uh, and so he was just he was just doing what he want, like doing what he thought was right. And I mean, we all were just laughing. We were laughing asses off. Yeah, because well, it was even, great.
0: Even that. So that it's funny because my first experience. Now that you guys are helping me define it, my first experience with a catapult of chaos character was actually a chaotic neutral guy in second edition D Uh He was a guy I went to high school with. We're in study hall playing DD.
1: Wait, wait, you played second edition D Oh yeah, baby. God, that you're goes, old. That goes God, you're old. I am
0: old. Um, but anyway, his name was Daniel, and Daniel the same thing. He had never played D D before. Uh, He rolls his chaotic neutral dwarf. I remember because it was so insane. And they're in Greyhawk and uh, the city guards approach him, which they're all level one, right? And uh, it was snowing. And I thought it would be a cool opening scene. Keep in mind, I'm like a a 13-year-old dungeon master, so I'm sure I was like amazing. Uh, But anyway, uh, I had this scene set up where these kids are playing with snowmen and uh, they're kind of throwing some uh, snowballs at the city guard and uh, the other three guys playing were like, okay, well, we pick up snowballs and we join in. And then Daniel takes an ax and just starts tearing <laughs> apart all of the snowmen and then starts running at the city guard. And he, he died like they just they they killed him. The guards killed him. And, and so I guess my question would be like, as a dungeon master,
3: what are the ways you can react to a catapult of chaos and keep it from getting off the rails? I mean, in that moment, they're the city guard. Maybe instead of taking or like killing him, they detain him. And they take him to prison. And now there's a little thing, maybe they have to go free him out of they have to go pay his bail and get him out of prison because he came at them with an axe or something like that. And where were you when I was thirteen? I needed that advice.
4: <laughs> I, I agree with that. I will say that part of that's just your players. I you can't I don't think that you should adapt the story that you made and three other people are appreciating for the one who is honestly choosing to be almost a nuisance to a degree.
0: So, so is it okay as a dungeon master to just say, "Hey, your character wouldn't do that in this situation," or uh, like I know that's, that's a heavy that's that's, a, that's that's a heavy heavy, that's a whole heavy thing, topic, but yeah. I but I think it's related to what we're talking about. So, like, would you as a dungeon master, you know, that's a break in case of emergency kind of
4: thing, right? But yeah. would you do that in that scenario? You know what? Great example. You could, as a DM, you could turn that into a cinematic moment, and the DM could do the conflict revolution. What? Resolution of what happens between the guards and him. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's actually a good, good point. Uh, I think there's, there's so much more that we can explore with cinematic moment, that uh, that we haven't. I mean, it's it's really evolved for sure. Yeah, but there's so many different things that we can do with that, on so many levels.
4: One of the things that we do that is an extension of that is um, after defeating an enemy, is how does he go out? Yep.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. Which I, which
0: is, you know, Matt Mercer was, I think one of the first ones that ever brought that to the screen, but I've always brought that in and I know you guys have as well. And I think it's in a way it is a cinematic moment. It's a mini cinematic moment about the, how the death blow happens.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, kind of that like uh, endorf- endorphins mm-hmm. uh i mean obviously endorphins for killing a person i'm not, i'm not trying to i'm not trying to say anything about that <laughs> but evil defeating, person, a in defeating a threat defeating a threat, threat. In Matt, you like to kill people it's like it's like you're playing call of duty or something like that and you you're winning and you're i mean you're killing you're, you're winning right. you know but it's kind of like that where you have that endorphin moment and you you're the one that does the final damage and then i look at you and i'm like i'm calculating the damage and they're just like oh man did i do it, did I do it? <laughs> and then you get that how do you how does he go out yeah, and yeah. then they could actually describe how that person goes out, and I love doing it even with not with like the biggest NPC or the biggest bad person. I like doing it with regular NPCs yeah, just because it waves of
2: minions. Yeah,
3: because it feels cinematic for that moment for that person to have sh- they have their role play moment. Yeah, yeah absolutely
1: the spotlight on them, and it's also a good moment for like I I, I use this a lot, and and with uh, with the how they how do they go out cinematic moment. A lot of times it's a great way to To have that dying speech, you know, that for the bad guy. Oh yeah, yeah, and sometimes the bad guy can, you know, just be insulting the characters, or maybe saying I regret what I did, or whatever it was, or they could be imparting information at that point too.
0: Right, yeah it, it it's a it's a twist when you kill the cult leader and and then you know, his last breath is. Thank you for freeing me from you know yeah. whatever dark entity uh, ha- had a hold which, of me. Right, which is
1: kind of just what happened with you guys in Dark Kingdom when you when you right. killed uh, when you killed the uh, the elder knight. Yeah, and then you learned that oh, you know, he was actually being controlled. He didn't yeah. want to be here. Don't yeah. forget druids. There is always reincarnate. You can That's bring them
0: back. <laughs> That's true. Bring your half orc uh, companions back as halflings. They love that.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, no, my character didn't like that. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't like that at all? He didn't like it very much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, hey,
0: you can save money on shoes now. That's good. That's true. That's true. And, and
4: clothes. I mean, all. He of probably them. the same size feet. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're still green, too. Oh, yeah. ooh. wow.
1: Ooh. Well, hey, you didn't come back as a centaur, so that's good. Yeah,
4: yeah. That, that's that is true. Strange.
1: So so I, I, I want to tell a story now that we're on, you know, look, we're talking about the catapult of chaos uh, moment. So sometimes the catapult of chaos can create some very, very interesting moments in a campaign for the DM. Um, this was one of the things that uh, had kind of happened. This is back in second edition, which you know I homebrewed a lot, um, yeah. and uh, the characters, the champions of saloon, there had to rescue a bunch of, uh, of priests that had been captured. One of them was a high priest and they, they had rescued this guy. Well, those guys were all running around. All the characters were like, well, not all the characters, several of the characters, because this was a swashbuckling campaign, were running around with arquebuses, which meant they were carrying little mini kegs of gunpowder with them everywhere they went. And I used the, I used the rule of firing into combat. Then you know, like, if you're firing an arrow into combat, you could possibly miss and, and, and hit somebody else. And, I can't remember whose character it was. I think it might have been... I mean, it might have been even a character Beth was playing at the time, uh, Buffy the Bard. I think she actually had shouldered this priest they were rescuing and was running away, got intercepted with combat. Blaine turns around, fires into combat, misses, hits the keg, and the keg goes up. On Buffy's oh. person? On Buffy's person. Oh, no. And of course, I rolled the damage for it. I can't remember what the damage we calculated for a keg going up at the time, but we hit the damage, and so she ended up you know getting knocked down pretty hard. Ended up killing the high priest oh, that they were man. supposed to rescue, and it was and yes, it was a catapult of chaos moment kind of thing, because I'm not even sure why Very intentional. It, 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 and and it, but the great thing about it was is it, it it led to more story for us, right? It led to a lot more story for us because they had to explain how this priest died. They had to go through all this stuff. And so sometimes those catabolic chaos moments can, you can use them to your advantage as a DM.
4: And you can create the opportunity for it. Like you didn't give that priest plot armor. You could have easily had him oh, survive yeah. or, you know, heal himself or someone heal him, but you let the ramifications of that action, which was unintentional to fire into the keg, affect the overall story. Yeah, massively.
1: I think you like a roll a one or something like that. And th- the thing is, is that that's uh, that's something that I think that not enough DMs do embrace is that roll with those dice? Absolutely. What, what, those, di- is, what uh, those dice give you that that random element in 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 this in D and D is a phenomenal thing for storytelling.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it, talking about the catapult of chaos, it's definitely great that none of us at the table have ever had that or have ever been that person with the catapult. <laughs> of chaos. I mean, am I am I right, guys? Like we're all
4: uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we're all innocent. Regale us the story of Grimmer, please. <laughs> oh, oh boy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it wasn't
3: really a catapult of chaos. You know, we were uh, trying to name the next Pirate King, and it was one of our good friends, Bob, who was going to be the next Pirate King. And we he went, had to trust we went
4: through multiple sessions setting this up and doing challenge after challenge to allow our party member to become the Pirate King.
3: And, and a little bit, little backstory of my character I was a bard, and uh, Cody's character was a paladin who we believed, you know, I, I was writing his story. You know, one day he would be the next king of the world. Basically mm-hmm. that was and I was gonna write the story of that. He Basically, was so close too. He was he was very close. And you know, we got to this moment where we had this uh, the sextant of the seas and uh you know an all powerful
4: item that could bestow the power of Pirate King.
3: Yeah, Bob's character was, you know, named me first mate, gave me the sextant, you know, fully you know, well you know, knowing full well that I was entrusted to Cody's character, uh Chakur. Mm-hmm. And when we got to that moment, I, you know, teleported in and you know, this giant being appeared to me and said, "Who's going to be the next pirate king?" And you know, I said Shakur, because he's going to be the next king. So I'm gonna be the
0: king of the world.
3: I mean, if you want to say that's a catapult of chaos. Well, I, I think I, I think it
0: almost tore the friendships at the table apart. Oh, oh, thank God we survived <laughs> and we're here today. But but I love what you're saying because it's it's both right. Like you were a catapult of chaos, but you were also still consistent with your character's backstory and how you had played him. And that's actually what
1: I was just thinking when he was telling that story too, because what really kind of all of a sudden went through my head is like, I'm, I was like, I don't, play, I've never played a catapult, of chaos character. And I realized, oh, I just made one for singularity. Like literally. Absolutely. Amos needed to have Dorian to tell him what the right and th- wrong thing was to do. And like two sessions after Dorian was gone, Amos is shooting a pimp in the street. <laughs> but it was consistent with his character right. though. It was completely a chaotic thing to do, but with his care in his mind frame, it wasn't. And so I guess that could brings up the question is, you know, is there a difference between that catapult of chaos and that character that just does things that are outside what is best for the party? Because that is in their backstory.
0: Well, they're definitely a, um, oh, I'm sorry. Can I interrupt it? No, 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 you're fine. Okay. I, I feel like, you know, we're talking about chaos in both examples, right? Yeah. Bo- both people are bringing a chaotic element to the story, meaning it's not predicted or predictable. But the difference would be the intent behind the char- the player, right? Because in Matt's case, he w- his intent was to be true to his character. And he was very chaotic in the sense he introduced all that insanity to the campaign by doing that. But it was a really cool thing that kind of changed the whole campaign after that. And then you have the other examples we used earlier where it's just somebody who maybe, you know, they don't want to listen to the villain or they just, you know what, uh, I want to go make some meat in the middle of the combat. And I think that to Keenan's point he made earlier, those types of catapults of chaos are probably ones you need to deal with as a dungeon master, either in the middle of the adventure or, or, or after
4: So to me, Mike talked about the two types of catapults of chaos to himself, and I'm going to elaborate on what you said because it's exactly... No, I was
1: actually talking to all of you.
4: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can't tell we're all friends here. Um, To me, like, there's two things, and I'm a little bit harsher on this. So one of them is what I would consider a nuisance, someone who's doing something random to do something random, something that takes away from the overall enjoyment of the rest of the party, and the other people are something who have convictions. And that's always okay to me if your character like Amos in Singularity that I run Amos has convictions like you have a tragic past and so when you found someone who was a pimp you did what your character would do in a nitty-gritty sci-fi world you did exactly what you do and that's not wrong like it might change the narrative it might change what happens right there but it doesn't mean that <laughs> sorry no no you're good um what you did was right, and see with Grimmer. When Grimmer did that, like, of course, me as a character and me as a player was pissed because we worked so hard for it. Did it make me not like Matt? Absolutely not, because it was what your character would do, and that's where I draw the line. Is it something that your character actually would do as a real, living, breathing person? So it I really, is.
1: I really still don't like Matt to this day. I just want to let you guys know that <laughs> we just need him to do maps yeah. for everything. So oh, oh okay. did, did he? Do you uh, think he heard that?
2: So this, Cut the mic. This uh, <laughs> this part of the topic talking about. Uh, staying true to your character and and actually being true to the character, not just being kind of an annoying player, uh, kind of makes me think of the the Avengers movies again. And Tony Stark is probably the definition of the chaotic character. Uh, like the, the entirety of him just building his armor is kind of a chaotic moment. Him, him choosing the color of, of his armor is kind of a chaotic moment. And then everything that he does is just like, I don't feel like doing that. I'm going to go over here and do this thing. I'm going to go over there and do that thing. Oh, you want us to to organize uh actually wait a minute. No. Talk, scratch all that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I I get where you're going yeah. though. No, like yeah, he, was,
0: he he did whatever in the moment he wanted to do and didn't care what anyone else thought character. about it. Yeah. I mean,
1: uh, a, the and he, he created guy. and by the way, he created a lot of problems if you really want to think about a lot of the things that happened in the Marvel uh mm-hmm. cinematic universe.
0: Yeah, Ultron and that,
1: that was just Tony he, being Tony. Yeah. He does, but just to talk about the Marvel cinematic moment.
4: cinematic universe (laughs) he shows the most development about the thanos problem because in iron man 3 he is terrified he's having panic attacks knowing that if he doesn't have his armor or anything goes wrong they're not gonna be able to stop the next invasion so it wasn't just that it was random it was all thought out he built ultron to help defend against that all everything he did was with a purpose yeah his motivations they just led to alternative things that he thought would happen. So, and that's so, what a catapult of chaos. So was. he
1: was the catapult of chaos, but he was the one with the convictions basically.
4: Yeah. He did it. He did it for a reason. He wasn't just Hulk smashing someone cause he was Hulk. Right.
0: <laughs> so what kind of things, if you're a player coming back to the cinematic moment, what kind of, cause we talked about death blows, right? Like how, how does he go out or, or how do you want to do this? As Matt Mercer would say. Um, but what are other cinematic moments you can create with your characters?
2: Think in the middle of combat for, I guess, like, you're, you're, nothing significant is happening. You just want to make some kind of uh, miniature speech, a call out, uh, yeah, a call out to to a party member, uh, or you know, like, like a party member goes down and the cleric is going to rush over to him. Maybe you want to say. 15 seconds of, of words or something like that. But
0: a round is only six seconds, Cody. The rule book says that. <laughs> I'm not that bad. So oh, <laughs> I'm, oh, that wasn't a dig on you. I, I, <laughs> I imagine there's somebody
3: listening that might be thinking that. But. Excuse me, sir. There is the rule of cool, which precedes yes. the rule of cool. Yes. So we'll,
1: we'll talk about that, too, in the future podcast. Uh, one thing I want to say, that's a, that is a great point, Cody. Like a, That's a very good point. And, uh, but one thing I want to make clear, cause I don't know if we made this clear already in what we we're talking about the cinematic moment is that we actually have above table phrase. And we literally say either as a DM cinematic moment or the character, if they want to have one, will say cinematic moment. And that's when kind of, and which is great because it's a cue mm-hmm. and everybody at the table knows at that point that we're just going to stop what we're doing. We're not going to roll dice. We're not going to do anything. It's clear this person has the floor right now.
0: Can I throw one nuance to that? So what, what we do, the DM obviously is God, right? So he can say, or she can say cinematic moment and it is what it is. Right. Uh, what I like about our group is as players, we usually will ask if we can have yeah, a cinematic yeah, yeah, moment. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really important because you don't want, you know, people to just be, you know you want to be like cinematic moment uh, i find the staff of power that was buried here a thousand years yeah, ago yeah yeah right? i'm sorry i'm sorry I I,
1: <laughs> I, I I i was unclear on that thank you for clar- for clarifying on that john That definitely yes yeah, the the players ask to have a cinematic, cinematic moment and uh, they're always asking in the right frame of mind it's just something that they want to talk about that's that's pertinent to their character or the right. story and what? as a
4: dm you can say no i'm saying oh, yeah. you don't know, like you can't say that back to the yeah. bad guy he already is taking his action
3: yep yeah. i will say there's even a I guess a subcategory of cinematic moment. And uh, uh, when the player takes an action that he doesn't want the other players to know about, but he lets the DM know that this is kind of a cinematic moment where he's going to take a step away and possibly leave the party, go do something real quick, or have this little moment to himself while the party is doing what they're doing at that moment. You know, only if you have a high enough stealth role or something like that, but you could have that secret like a uh, secret cinematic. Only. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause you know, that, Mike, work, that works out. Bedroom now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this phrase has been uttered many times. Yes. Yeah. Right? I,
1: I, I always, I always like to take players aside uh, sometimes well, for a moment. Bedroom? It's uh, because it's usually quiet in there. Oh, okay. You know, cause we're not, cause I'm not in there. doing, doing <laughs> things. Uh, So, but as I said, what Matt was just talking about, and that's cool. We have definitely done that in the past. Uh, sometimes it does not work out for the best. Nope. It can be very dangerous when you do that. I uh, asked David and, and uh, Surefoot Sam the halfling as he went off and almost got himself killed by a magic user. By a wall mimic. By a wall mimic, actually, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: you guys are saying it's a good idea to split the party?
2: Always. Always. I love well, splitting at, the party. That's, that's going to be another podcast. At, I love it. Because it is, it is. If you want to create drama, yeah. you split the party. It's not that much more work for the DM, at least not for me, because it's literally just like I, I, I pay attention to you three for five. Two minutes. I pay attention to you three for two minutes, and then just goes back and forth. And so much cool shit happens. Yeah.
1: For me as a DM, I love it when you guys split the party.
2: Okay, I
4: I think this falls into it. I don't think we we're expecting about talking about this uh, to talk about this, but I think that what we should talk about then briefly, going off the rails because that's what a catapult of chaos does. Oh yeah. So not in depth, but a catapult of chaos takes a DM off the rails. Off maybe not. You know, hard rails is the story following, but it, it throws a DM off is what a catapult chaos does. That's basically well, exactly what that is, right? I honestly
1: think, look, man, you know this. I've told you guys this before. I love it when you guys surprise me. I love you when you take things off the rails. As long as it's not so, it's, it's not that, that crazy off Sorry. the rails where I'm like going, to, oh, we all decide, well, oh, we're all going to go over here and we're going to murder this village, village of people. You know, that kind of off the rails is bad. But like when you when you surprise that's good, and, and it's hard. You have to be adaptable as a DM, and that's something we can definitely talk about in the future.
2: Uh, I remember when we were playing Strahd, we had a player named Rachel, and she was a bard, but in a previous game she played a rogue, and I, she kept trying to play roguey style of gameplay with her bard. And uh, John had this, uh, this this guy walking around with sausages, and is very kind of a lovable character on the surface, but it turns out he was actually like really dark and evil. And Rachel wanted to go and investigate this dude, and so she split from the party. So when we think about this, she split from the party to go check him out. And hours later, she never came back. She got kidnapped. She right? got kidnapped. Yeah. And she was gonna be like thrown into a meat grinder. Because
0: guess what? The sausages were made of.
2: Humans? And that's <laughs> Soylent to <worse>. that baby. <laughs> which, which, by the
1: way, that that, that moment for her taking that uh, off the side, which could be considered her own cinematic moment, really, mm-hmm. taking it off the side, that's what really kind of led us there, basically, to, to finally uncover what was going on. We were all suspicious. Well, not all of us. I think a few of us in the party were, like, super suspicious. I know Chauvin was, like, super suspicious, yeah. like, Dude, there's some, I'm not eating that sausage. Something's up here.
4: That was a twofer. That was a cinematic moment where she took it upon herself to sneak out of the room from mm-hmm. us so we didn't know and to follow him stealthily, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was a catapult to chaos moment because her doing that didn't reveal that he was just this friendly little guy She got kidnapped. And then that catapulted the story into, uh, I mean, I'm assuming John. To where you didn't think it would go that session.
0: No, actually it was really interesting because I had designed his basement with the grinder and the rottweilers and all that stuff. But then I thought, well, it'll maybe be next session, maybe the next, or maybe they'll move on from the village of Barovia and we'll never see what happens with that guy. He'll he'll still be there killing people and making sausages out of them and you guys will be all the way out in Vallaki doing stuff, you know. But her doing that literally took the the party. To that basement and had a big boss battle. that was, I think, quite epic.
4: It was hard. It was, it was very difficult and it uh, was badass and unexpected. And by
1: the way, this just talking about that moment is getting me very excited to be talking about the collective storytelling and player free agency. Yeah, and we need to do that. That's, That's gonna so, be a multi part. I think dude, we know what yeah. our next uh, yeah. topic is. Because I, I just thinking, I was just thinking about that. Like when you were talking about, it, I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of I actually had forgotten about that moment. That was a really big moment though for us.
0: Let me me throw something into the mix here. So um, you were talking about how you embrace and love these off-the-rail sort of chaotic moments, right? Um, I wonder, though, and I mean this is a a compliment to you, Mike, like you're one of the best dungeon masters I've ever seen, period, not just that I've ever personally played with. You're one of the best DMs I know of. And I think it's a testimony to your skill as a DM and a storyteller that you embrace those things. But we might have people listening to us that are, very new at being a dungeon master. Maybe they haven't done a whole lot of it. And I think it's okay to say to you guys that are listening, it's okay for you to struggle with these cat- these catapult of chaos characters because oh, absolutely. even a veteran DM, it, it, it can throw you off your game when people do things you don't expect. But there's a certain, I guess I guess what I would give you as advice is as much as you can lean into it and embrace it because it creates really cool moments and so long as you don't have that one like keenan said that one person that's just trying to wreck the game for everybody else if it's not that then it might be really cool what happens
1: next yeah absolutely And, and and you're absolutely correct on that by the way too is that uh look that's that's a strength of mine and i know that and i and so i lean into we all do right as dms we all lead into whatever our strength is uh you're very good at creating um uh, narrative moments where where you actually where you've actually pre-planned what you're gonna say. I'm not so good at that. I'm not, I'm usually a little more good at winging things and doing stuff like that. So that's not er- something everybody's gonna possess and and you're right. You know what? Lean into lean into it as much as you can. And don't be afraid to shut it down too, if you need to. Like as as the DM, look, if your players are good players, they're gonna be respecting what you're doing. And if you have that guy, that Catapult of Chaos is just really wrecking everything for people, and maybe it's not because it could be funny. You know, I'm not saying, catap- as we as we said, catap- Catapult of Chaos is not always bad.
2: I have another story for Dave. Yeah, but if, Dave. Yeah,
1: if things are going bad, it's okay for you to lean on that player a little bit and say, hey, you know, no, your character wouldn't do that. or Or, or find a way to, if you can find a way to do it within story to shut it down, that's the best way to do it. But that uh, that that requires that adaptability, which I think uh, all DMs, most DMs have, not all DMs. And if you have a problem, if you're a DM and you're really struggling with adapting to crazy situations, uh, the best advice I can give to you is just think about it like acting. Right? Think about it like acting. Just you know, just 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 like improv, basically, because really that's what we're doing. We're when we're around the table collectively storytelling. It's improv.
2: And the key to improv is the rule of yes and. Mm-hmm. So everything that someone else says or does, you take it and you roll with it and you expand on it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's, so I'm sorry, I just watched just watched an episode
2: of Rest of Development where they were doing the yes and thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend's got me watching Lucifer, yeah. and that's a reoccurring subject. One of the characters takes improv classes and always talking about the yes and.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, you were going to tell a story about David, you said. Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: So this is kind of an example of Mike being a killer dungeon master and being able to really roll well with the Catapult of Chaos moments. And then also on you, John, for also rolling with those chaotic moments. And it was uh, (laughs) that ghost pirate ship battle. Mm. And the pirate captain uh, had that green skull in his hand, and that, that was like his arcane focus. And I think it was a tough fight, and you guys killed it. And uh, as the captain's dying, he kind of falls over into the skull. is about to fall into the sea. And Dave is like, I'm going to catch that skull. So, so he goes. And
4: Chud cut his arm off.
2: Yeah, well, so ba- 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 Balsar grabs the skull, yeah. and but then by he the starts way, turning evil.
1: By the way, rolled a nat 20 to yeah. grab that skull. Oh, no, he rolled a nat
2: 20 to grab yep. the skull. Okay.
4: And, and John rolled a nat 20 to cut the arm off. Yeah, yeah. So nat 20, and then it starts to fall into the abyss. And then nat 20, David snatches it. And we're like.
2: I, I think that's fucking uh, a great moment because I no one expected anyone no. to grab no. like it's an evil fucking skull. Why would you touch it? The th- like four veteran
4: players. It was me. You were you. you were, I was not you were there. there so oh, Charlie yeah. and then Mike, the DM. We all just go oh, no, and he's he's <laughs> like five <laughs> sessions in, and he grabs a glowing skull, which to his newness created a really cool moment that we wouldn't have done. We all, Even though we all try to play our players or play our characters, we would have we would have let that go because it's like eh, <laughs> glowing evil green skull. Maybe I don't want to touch that. Sometimes you can't help but meta. But he did it, and it made a great narrative moment. Mm-hmm. Someone
3: might say that the the D20s in your game have a 1 in 20 chance to be the Catapult of Chaos. Oh, that's a <laughs>
4: good oh, point. I would yeah, say yeah. A, a 2 out of I 20 two, because yeah. that 20 or that 1, 1s mm-hmm. can be fun. Just not when you're Cody. Not <laughs> when you're
2: me in every role as a one. Oh, man, that, that,
1: every time we, we, we do this stuff, guys, I start thinking of a new things we can talk about. I really want to talk about the randomness of the die rolls oh, and what you to. can do as a DM to to make that critical fail more interesting, right? Or yeah. as a player. Or yeah. as a player, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, what kind of closing thoughts do we have on on cinem- Cinematic Moment and the uh, Catapult of Chaos?
3: Well, I will say uh, Cinematic Moment. It's just a great moment to stop as a DM or as a player if you kind of reach out to the DM or there's been some kind of spoken rule where you can stop and have that. It's a great time for you to explore that your character or for the DM to have that monologue to go out to the players. Something they prepared for this long time for the players to enjoy and then eventually that might even turn into as Keenan said a dialogue. Um, And the Catapult of Chaos, I will say on that uh, I am not a catapult of chaos. I am. I am. You're a liar. You're <laughs> such
2: you're, a liar, man. You're, you're kind of like a like a blueprint of chaos and it's like a, <laughs> s- a slow construction over several weeks and months. I like that. Until that you know, it's finally complete and it's like I'm building
3: my own Death Star.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um I guess my thing is for the cinematic moments, uh, as a DM and as a player, everybody comes to the table for you want you want to have fun, you want to feel cool. I can't jump across rooftops. I can't slay dragons, but my character can. And I live vicariously through my character while playing D&D. So use the cinematic moment to your advantage. Feel cool. If you got something that you took a week to prep, and you wanted to say it during combat or to the big bad, take your moment. That's your moment to feel cool. And for the Catapult of Chaos thing, uh, as long as the, it's not like a, a, just a player being a nuisance, if, but... I roll with it you know, It's the yes and roll like, like have fun because if a if a dungeon master has a really cool game planned players are going to remember that
1: yeah absolutely. if a player
2: has a random moment where something cool happened that just sparked in their head they're definitely going to remember that and the entire table is going to remember that uh, just like some of the stories that we had today of none of that was planned it was chaotic and we held remember those. those yeah we're literally possible. I'm we, I've literally talked about stories that happened 20 years ago yeah and tonight. that's gonna make your players want to play more
4: oh yeah if you're having group retention problems make it fun
1: can mm-hmm. you have any closing thoughts yeah but I kind of wanted to go last okay okay mm-hmm.
0: um well one thing that comes to my mind as a closing thought is if you are a very narrative driven dungeon master like the story is really important to you and if you're a player who the story is really important to you. You're probably like, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid right now. You're like, this is great. I totally want to put this in my campaign and make this a thing. But if you are a mechanically driven person or you are maybe playing D and D more just to like, you know, dungeon crawl and kill monsters, right? Um, you may not be as comfortable with cinematic moment because it does bend some of the rules. You want to give a quick little 10 second speech in the middle of combat. well, you know, around six seconds, right? So you have to bend the rules in order to do a cinematic moment. And I want to acknowledge that it's, in other words, it's not for everyone, but all of us here at Strange New Worlds are very narrative focused for the most part. And I think that's why we all enjoy it so much because it helps the story.
1: Yeah, that's funny because uh, John and I, as often our minds are thinking exactly the same thing. Uh, my closing thoughts on the, on the cinematic moment is it's all about the story. That's what we do. We gather around a table, We, we have a lot of laughs, we roll some dice, we watch our characters get in really bad situations and find a way out of the situation. But in the end of the day, it's all about the story. And that's where the cinematic moment is super powerful. So as a DM, if you want to embrace this idea, I think you're going to find it's going to really change what you see around the table. I think you're going to see the characters embrace it, the players embrace it too. Cinematic
4: moments. Take it. Use it. Love it. You're all beautiful. We'll catch you next time. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Awesome. Yeah, so if you like what you hear today, uh, definitely come by SNWproductions.com and check us out. We've got our blog there. We've got uh, links to our shop there with all our downloadable content. Uh, We've got links to our Patreon if you want to support us there to help us keep bringing you good stuff. Uh, We really appreciate that. Um, Everyone that's that's reached out so far, even though we're really just getting beginning, um, we... This is why we do it. We do it for you. And uh, on a closing note, I just want to again dedicate this podcast to the original, pot, uh, original, <laughs> the original catapult of chaos, Blaine Myers. We love you. We miss you. And we're gonna roll dice with you in Elysium one day, buddy. Love you, brother. Love you, buddy.